And welcome once again to another edition of Footnotes. Pastor Mark here, and today I'm joined by a very important person, Uh. Chief Executive Officer. And we don't get this opportunity much, but we have a big wig from Life Action Ministries with us today. Donnie Banker. Donnie, welcome. Thank you, Mark. We're yeah. glad to have you. Donnie's full of humility. He's smiling. He's embarrassed that I said uh, he's important. I, he says he's not important. But uh, I'm so thankful that you are with us this week and just the opportunity to sit down with leadership at the global ministry called yeah. Life Action. Yeah. And so what we're going to do today is just help our listeners understand really what Life Action is, the direction that they're going, and the benefits that they offer. And so here on Footnotes, we're going to explore all there is to know about who we are and who God has made us to be. Awesome. All right. So, Donnie, uh, let's get into it. We're going to talk today. Really, three questions are going to frame our discussion. So, uh, number one, I asked you, why don't you tell us really what is the focus of Life Action today? Uh, because there's a lot of people that I encounter who say, well, I don't know what life action is. Right. I was just telling you that, that just this week we have life action here at Broadway, and our members may know what life action is, but they may not really know what the focus of life action is. And during this week that you guys have been here, I've had two friends come to visit us. One is a church planter in Thailand, and the other – their former members from Texas, and both of them said to me when I told them you were here, literally, I don't know what life action is, but I guess if you're having them, they must be okay. That's incredible. So there's people who have no clue. Yep. They've Okay, I've heard of that, but I don't know what that is. And really, some of our church members might have preconceived ideas from the past, and they may say, oh, well, I know what it is. But what I want you to do is the the leader of the pack right. is tell us what is the focus. And, and you, you and I have been talking about that focus. It's been really interesting. Then I want to just hear about your methods for that focus okay. and let that frame our discussion. And finally, the benefits of the focus and the methods combined together really have benefits for our lives personally as Christians, as husbands, wives, children, believers, who want to follow Jesus. Got so it. Let's jump into it. So number one, uh, Donnie, the focus of Life Action today under new leadership. Now, you've been there three years. Just about three years, yep. You told me that you left performance. I did, yes. Yeah, what did it, you call it? Not so, ministry, but performance. No, yeah, it, it was a it was a, really a human performance conglomerate. There's a couple dozen different companies. Uh, did a lot of work with prone Olympic athletes uh, primarily, so a, a lot of contracts with pro sports teams like the Detroit Red Wings or the New York Mets or um, and and on and on uh, but also did a lot of work with folks with disabilities actually spinal cord injuries cerebral palsy stroke victims um, so it was really one of the one of the if if not the world's foremost place when it comes to um, the neurological side of physiology so very complex and integrated uh, place and you know I, I was in pastoral ministry before that I've been in and out of the, of the business world and had, had done that for seven years I was the chief of staff chief operating officer before uh, Lord called us back up here to life action wow so God called you out of the business world you became the chief executive officer at life action and you guys are taking a particular focus so tell us, what is the focus of Life Action? Yeah, great question. So Life Action has been around for over 50 years, and I would actually say that we've just been refocusing, making sure with the transition of leadership 
that we're not changing our DNA or our mission. And so we've spent a lot of time, and I can tell you that what we're doing, um, Life Action, is, is all about helping churches, families, and leaders move towards revival, vitality, and mission. That's what we do. And uh, in many ways, uh, you know, we're, we, are, we exist to be a, a resource for the church. You know, revival, it literally means life again, life back. And so there's different, there's different ways that that, that, that uh, looks and that, and that that happens. And in, in many ways, you can think of us, uh, when Paul talks in Ephesians 4, the apest gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers designed for the equipping the body for the, for the work of service, most local churches do a great job with pastors and teachers, and that's what they've got nailed down. That's 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 their role. I think of apostles as they're 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 tilling new soil. Those are your church planters, the prophets and evangelists. Well, that's life action. And that's where we come in. You know, it's it's hard to be a prophet in your hometown. You've got no honor. So, but but people still sometimes need to be moved outside of their normal life. And they need to hear timeless truth of God in a timely manner, a timely spot, and they need to be reminded of the of the good news of the Word of God. And so that's life action. We come in from out of town. Uh, we have uh, a lot of our messaging and our, and our structure is designed to be uh, exhortive, you know, to get people to, to move, uh, encouragement, consolation, and a lot of what you look at for how Paul describes New Testament prophecy, and, and evangelists. We put practical handles on the good news of God. That's our that's our messaging, and so that's really the role that we play for the for the North American Church, uh, and 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 now beyond. There's a lot of work that we're doing, not only with pastors but also with with missionaries as well. It's a big part of our future here. Yes, yeah, so you guys are refocusing even there, where you've just been American churches. You know, I was talking with another one of your leaders yeah. not long ago, and there's now a focus to encourage missionaries, Absolutely. those who are on the front lines. You want to encourage pastors? You know, the uh, what we're finding as the world in the last 50 years, the world has changed a lot. The world's changed a lot even as in the last few years. And this, the same type of challenges that they're facing on the mission field are very, very congruent with the, with the challenges that pastors are facing in America today. I mean, there are some distinctives, of, of course, depending on, on where you're at, but a lot of the internal pressures uh, that exist uh, a lot of the relational pressures uh, that exist are just astronomical, and the the recidivism rates, you know, people going out onto the field and just melting down within a couple of years, it's it's just unsustainable. And we 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 do the same thing with pastors, you know, that that is not necessarily new work, but it's just an expansion and advancing uh, into new territory for us. Uh, Life Action actually is one of the original reasons why, going all the way back, why we do uh, multi-day events uh, for as long as what we would do is because we would realize that when we would come in uh, and, and you know, God willing, the Lord would use us and he'd really stir stir up the pot and, and be able to get to the deeper issues in people's lives that they're dealing with. Well, and then when we're out, you know, we're in and out and the pastors are the ones that have to deal with it. And quite frankly, a lot of times the Lord is doing a work in their life and in their heart as well. And so we originally extended our, our time so that we could have more time with the pastors and the staff so we could care for them, develop friendships, develop relationships with them, and then carry that on. So we've been looking to build what are other ways that we can resource pastors and ministry leaders, what are other ways that we can care for them uh, just to help supplement. Because it's not just about getting the heart to beat. Uh, you know, we've got a bunch of vital organs. <laughs> you know, it's, and so the, the vitality, how can we help not only people to come back to Jesus, how can they stay with Jesus? How can they keep that fire going? And, and so we've been looking to, to continually find other ways that we can resource and, and help pastors. 
I love that because the church, you want to bring revival. That's right. Pastors, you want to bring encouragement. What are some specific ways you guys have tried to refocus yourself to encourage pastors and by proxy missionaries and those who are on the field? Yeah. So um, about 20 years ago, uh, we acquired a property that our our founder had prayed over uh, with his successor um, for for many years that we could have a physical place where we could bring pastors uh, and their spouses to be able to come and encourage them. And so we would hold different retreats and types of conferences uh, that were that would be there. So whether we're on site at your place or we could you could come to us, you know, so we could have concentrated time and just be a trusted friend. And we would often customize our interactions, um, you know, with folks depending on what what they're bringing. And everybody, everybody's bringing different things. Depends on the stage of their life and the condition of their church and, and what the Lord's doing. Um, but there are other resources that we've been looking at. Um, and what are things that we can do, especially when it comes to uh, relational health? And it, you know, when when you're a, a leader, leadership anywhere can be really lonely. And it can be really lonely when you are a leader uh, in vocational Christian work. Uh, I've heard it said before by a friend of mine, he said that it's, it's the only job in the world where you are required to win both at work and at home. And, it, and, and in today's day and age where, you know, we live in the age of transparency, so anything that you do can be broadcast out to the world. And, and what we're finding is that it just it creates a real sense of isolation for a lot of folks that are in, in vocational ministry and, and they don't know who to trust. Many pastors actually um, are, are, are lonely, don't have a ton of friends. Uh, it's not because they don't want them. It's just... Um, you know, they just you get beat up on all sides, and and so develop a, th- a thick shell, and just don't know where to be vulnerable and who, you know, how do you let somebody in to to care for you? So n- knowing that in mind, we're just we're constantly been looking for what are what are resources and what are different methods that we could have to provide so we can care for for God's shepherds, and and so th- there's been a. a, a, a you know, a variety of different things. We've been recruiting different staff uh, to be able to help us with that, just really formalizing uh, some different things that we have been doing informally and intuitively for a long time. Uh, and this last year, actually, we just um, we just incorporated a, a, a ministry called the Consentia Group that uh, essentially there's a, um, provides a lot of, of tools and packages around some assessments that really uh, is called the called the SDI 2.0, and you're going to see some life action events uh, coming out here in the next couple of years that focus on, uh, on on these assessments. But they help get people to uh, to understand what motivates them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when they're when they're uh, waking up in the morning. So, how, what are the things? Uh, the conflict sequence. We all have conflict. How can you know when somebody's going into conflict? And then, um, and then just some different strengths deployment inventory. And we, what we found is it's just so very helpful. A lot of times, pastors, the issues that they're facing, you know, it's not that they don't understand, you know, what they're reading in the in the Word of God, and it's not that they don't have passion and energy for that. But it's conflict within their staff teams. It's conflict within their their families and other relationships. And if they can manage those things better, they're just better equipped to be able to do the work of service. You know, you were talking about the isolation and yeah. the loneliness of being a pastor. There was a viral vlog that went around, or blog, I don't know the technical term, from Reverend Alexander Lang, okay? I don't know if you saw this, why he left his church. Mm. He has been the senior pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights in Texas. I believe Mm. it's Texas. And he wrote this blog to say, I'm leaving ministry. Mm. 
and I'm going to give you the reasons why I'm leaving. I'm not only leaving this church, I'm leaving ministry. Mm. So some of the reasons that he lists, and I'm, I'm looking at this on a website right now, and I'm, I'm trying to assimilate, but he says, you know, first of all, you've got a thousand bosses. Right. Impossible. It's impossible to please people. There's unrealistic expectations. Like you said, I mean, how many, how many people work a job right now, and there may be a demand that they be moral in the job? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. like if you're an accountant, you have to be moral with the numbers and the figures, but the company does not care if you have your marriage fall apart. They couldn't care less. Or if your children are disobedient and they're not exactly where <laughs> you know people think they should be or right. or whatever, but yet the pastorate is this incredible calling of you must urge people to be moral and you must be moral and then your family oh. must be moral and, and which that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I, I don't think people sitting in the pew listening to me fully grasp the First Timothy chapter three expectations that are mostly internal on a pastor sure you know mike huckabee once said being a governor of a state and being a pastor because he did both yeah he did interesting he said they're about the same thing but i'd take being a governor the pastor was harder i'm not surprised and i think that's true this man from arlington heights another few reasons he listed i think i think this was the most powerful to me i feel this he said, you have to wear too many hats. I have to be a professional speaker. That's right. And you feel that because I'm going to tell you, people want your time all week long, but then when they come sit in the pew, they become critics. Yeah, and they expect they, you to perform. It re- better be good. Yeah, that's right. I brought my friends. That's right. You better knock it out of the park. Professional speaker, you got to be a CEO. you got to be a counselor. Yep. Dealing with life's most difficult oh scenarios crazy scenarios that people have not been able to solve themselves they've already been to six counselors (laughs) already right and all these family members and then they come to you and it you know you want to help them but it's like i I don't even know if you're telling me the truth right yep uh this is the next one fundraiser right oh yeah it's huge i mean we're in a debt reduction campaign i'm a fundraiser yeah to get rid of a debt i did not incur right to do things that need to be done. And mm-hmm. I, and, and I human resource director, how sure. many times are you meeting with staff members all day long trying to master of ceremonies, pillar of virtue? Now, this is what this Lang pastor in Arlington uh, said. Again, he's the guy who wrote this. Sure. I'm, I'm not saying this. Uh, but you hear it and you go, well, he's exactly right. Is You have to wear like six different hats you have all these unmet expectations and it's extremely lonely people don't people don't want to be the pastor's friend i'm just going to be honest i mean people my age and we encountered this moving interesting they don't want to touch you right you can tell now no offense i get it right because it's going to get personal Yep. It's going to get personal. And so they don't know if they want to be associated with you or not, depending on what other people are going to say or what they're going to leverage against you. Whatever they do in their off time, is the pastor going to approve of that? That's right. Is it That's right. going to be awkward? I mean, I get it. It's a very awkward, weird thing. 
And it's not just hard on you, on, on your spouse. It's, again, they're impossible expectations that, that are put on you. It, it, it's, it took me a little while. Uh, I, I, look, I'll be honest. When I, when I left pastoral ministry, and it was, it was mostly I was, I was doing student ministries at a, at a pretty large church for a while, and did some great things and made some made some big mistakes too. Uh, and then was doing some uh, student ministries, then uh, adult small groups, and was an associate pastor for a little bit. Kind of my next step would have been to uh, probably to to plant a church, you know, within the the organization we're at. And I love Jesus, but I just said, man, I I I, I can't do this anymore. When I tell you that my desire to go back into vocational ministry was a zero out of ten, it was a zero out of ten. Uh, and same thing for for my wife. And we loved Jesus, and we were serving at the local church. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like there wasn't a crisis of of faith that we had, but just the the demands and expectations were just astronomical. And I really think that in, in the Western church, we are pastor centric and not Jesus centric. That is correct. And we we expect our pastors to be to be Jesus, who's way up here. And they expect us to be here, but the, we're all we're all down here. You know, it doesn't mean that there's not responsibilities that we have. I mean, there's burdens of, of leadership, but Jesus is the pastor. Jesus is the shepherd, and and we're not him, and that's okay. Uh, but 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 boy, and it, it's so. You were asking about some of our methods, you know, and, and why do well, we do yeah, what so we I do? Well, yes, I want to move to the methods. Yeah. So so the focus. You guys have this great focus that I love, and I will just echo something you said. You guys coming here, my wife said, I, I think you benefit more than anybody else. And I think that's true. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because the emotional strain it takes. And I, I'm not complaining. No. I, but just, just recently, one of my children confessed, it's hard with our school and our church and the expectations that are on me as the pastor's child. Yep. It is unfair and it is difficult. Yeah. And nobody's putting those expectations on the teacher's kid. I mean, maybe they do to some degree, but they're really putting not that, to the same degree. That, yeah. Whether anybody yeah. believes that or not, they are putting that on. But the Lord sustains, yeah. right? The yeah. Lord keeps us. The Lord holds us. So all that this Lang guy wrote, I mean, yeah, it resonates. All that you've seen with Life Action, yes, yeah. it resonates. But yet, at the end of the day, it does take kind of a crazy person. <laughs> it does to, to be a pastor, it, it, and I'm a little crazy. Uh, so, I, so that's okay. It, that's it, all right. That's it, the only reason we stay. I love uh, it. Is a little crazy. Yeah. You've got to be a little off. But the Lord sustains, and I love life action. So if it benefits no one else, yeah. I need it as the pastor. I need you to come in and say these things that you're saying, and I need them to hear somebody else say it. Just like a parent needs that's, somebody that's exactly else to right. say it to their kids. Exactly right. I need somebody else yeah. to, to validate this. And so I always love it just for my own heart. That's it's so good, good for me. That, now, I don't know if it's good for anybody else, <laughs> but it's good for me. Well, you know, part of our methods and on why we do this it, it, it is for the pastor and their staff. We have been in many, many churches where the pastor and, and his wife have come up and said, look, we've not been able to worship together in 20 years until you came. You know, I mean, that, that, that happens constantly because of the demands uh, that are placed on you and your family on, on Sunday mornings. And uh, it's just, it, it creates difficulty. So when we come, it allows you to be with your people and, and to be able to, to, to worship the, the Lord, to be near Him, to get all together. So you're all experiencing the, the the same thing together, and it doesn't, you know, you're not taking off your your leader hat, but you get to lead by by being 
together with them. And a lot of times, you know, with churches, um, you know, whether it's you know, different types of events that we that we do. Uh, a lot of times, by the time that event is done, the staff are fried. They're exhausted. The, your key volunteers are just toast. And so, it's part of why we the way that we structure what we do is is so that you can be refreshed and encouraged. You know, we found that. Um, and this was the main issue that Jesus had with the religious leaders of, of his day. And in, in fact, it was always an issue is just an abject neglect of the principle of the Sabbath. And, you know, we just the, the way that we structure life uh, you know, for many years in, in ministry, especially if you're in vocational ministry, it was an expectation. Well, ministry is 24-7, seven days a week. That's neither holy nor healthy. And so it, it, it's it, it's 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 almost in many ways you know we it, that's us reading all of these principles of the Sabbath all of these principles that God has for us to rest it's for our good and we just ignore it and we do it under the, under the pretense of well I'm I'm working hard I'm being but in many ways when we t- take a Sabbath uh, it's a step of faith always was you know that we're going to trust that God's going to do the work for us when when we're not when we're not working. And, and we, we, God has that for us to rest and, and to breathe. And so we're trying to come in and give you a chance to, to literally to breathe. In Exodus 31, um, you know, in, in chapter 20, God's given the Ten Commandments. In the next 11 chapters, he's, he's, he's talking about how to sanctify the, the tabernacle and, and the priests and the garments and all of these things. And, and he's wrapping up. You know, 32 is when he goes down. Moses goes down. He sees the golden calf and, and, and all that. But so God's wrapping up all these instructions. And he says, and above all, above everything I've just told you, honor the Sabbath. Keep it holy. And he says, because it's me that sanctifies you. And then he, even when he describes, it's the only place I found when he describes what he did um, for, you know, he created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, it says he rested and was refreshed. Super interesting. And, and the, that, that the word in Hebrew uh, has to do with the word breath. It's like, and he took a breath. So a life action, like we want to be a breath of fresh air for you and for your churches. And so why we structure what we do and how we do it, there is some strategy behind that so we can give you a chance to really breathe. Yeah, amen. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, though, people hear God say, rest on the Sabbath and seek me, and they say, well, that's not rest. Yeah, Rest is me going to the lake or me going to the golf course or me sitting around watching Desperate Housewives. Yeah. That's not rest. Yeah, Going to church is not rest, but I, I think we misunderstand the definition of rest. God's rest is in him. Yeah, it doesn't mean do nothing. It doesn't mean do nothing. Yeah, they're confusing a day off, which you should have, as don't do anything on this day. And life action comes in, and you keep us very busy. So it's work. Right. This Sabbath breath of a week is work on our people. And they may say, well, this is not breath to me. Yeah. I've still got all my responsibilities and all these things to do, yet the the breath is to come and meet god he is the sustainer that's right he is the bread of life that's right that well, that's the challenge for all of us that's the challenge with the sabbath it's the challenge with life action it's the cha- challenge with anything that we set that time aside to seek god he will strengthen us we have food you know that others know not of that's right that's right. You know, it's we live in a culture today where it is so busy. Steve was talking about this just just the other day in, in one of our sessions, and we're, you know, we're, we 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 glorify in how busy we are. And I'll tell you, when I was younger, uh, you know, people saw me on college campus and they'd say, "Donnie, I never see you when you're not running somewhere." They would ask, they'd say, "Well, how you doing?" I'd say, "Man, I'm tired." 
you know, I'm interning at the church 30 hours a week, and I'm doing this and that and this and that. I'm just going and going. Um, and and of, of, of course, every time we, we, we meet together, even the, the, the priests, in, in a sense, they, 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 um, they were still working. Jesus was trying to help them understand. So like even the priests in the tabernacle, like they were still, do, still doing work. Look, if there's dishes that need to be cleaned, if the toilet overflows, there's still some things you're going to, you know, some of the basics you're going to do. But to be able to set aside concentrated time to be with the Lord, um, is is what we try is what we try and do and just be able to take a to take a breath. That's you know there's so much of of life. The word revive and life back, life again. You know, I tend to think of 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 life as this this combination of freedom, hope, and energy. Uh, but you know it's when 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 somebody when something is breathing, it's alive. When it's not breathing, it's dead. And so to be able to breathe life back into people, into marriages, into relationships, into churches, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we try to, to do, and we try to structure things in that way. And the reality is every church is a little bit different that we go into, so we do customize uh, what, what we do uh, depending on the needs of the, of the people. You know, we try to talk with the pastors, try to talk with the staff, and spend time talking with the Lord. You know, I, really, I, re- I really think of, of prophecy, it's timeless truth of God, you know, you're not going to hear something that, that probably from us that you haven't heard before, right? Um, but it's applied in a timely manner. God always had his, his people, um, you know, his, his prophets were speaking to a particular group, to particular community, to a particular person. It's something that was just going to go right to their heart, something that they didn't have peace with or they're wrestling with. And, um, and so that's when we're structuring. We're trying to listen to God and listen to you all uh, as well, see how can we best benefit you. I'm thankful for that focus. Yeah. Let's go to the second point. So you guys now have a method that you're applying, yeah. and I'm interested in that. Yeah. I use the word interest. Yeah, I'm interested in that. So Paul Johnson, who was a historian, wrote a rather large book called A History of the American People. Okay. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, it was a favorite book, ironically, in the Reagan White House. Interesting. A lot of the aides and young people there uh, were carrying around that book. I was introduced to it about 25 years ago, and it really have enjoyed it, uh, the way he writes about American history. In the book, he talks specifically, and this is something that triggered when you were telling me about your method. Mm-hmm. He talks about Washington and what Washington firmly believed, that men were motivated by interest. Yep. The word then was interest. The word now would be motivation or internal desire, whatever. But the idea was Washington was smart enough to understand that the way people work is there's something that interests them. So whether it's you want uh, a commission into the regular army of the British and you can't get it because you're a colonial or you uh, want to be able to own and have a particular state of wealth and you can't achieve that, that, that's your interest, you can't get it because of the system that's been set up against you. So he talks about interest. And Johnson, the author, just capitalizes on this in his book and talks about how interest is what really drove these men to seek revolution. Above all things, it was what motivated and interested Mm. them. Now, you tell me that Life Action has discovered uh, kind of a methodology that pinpoints not only behavior. So there's a lot of behavioral tests out there. I've benefited from them. And I'm just going to say, Donnie, I know people who are Christians who say all that stuff is evil. Right. You need to go to the Bible. Right. Uh, and, and that's good. But I would also say that, yes, go to the Scripture. Let Scripture be of authoritative. Course. Of course. Let it be the rule. Let it be the top and the head and the king. 
but there's also other things that people have discovered that are very, very helpful. And That's right. I wasn't a believer in the DISC, the D-I-S-C, mm-hmm. until I took it. And it pinned me exactly. It's like it's reading your mail. I was shocked. I was shocked. Suddenly I understood things about myself that I had not previously been able to articulate. So now you tell me, well, DISC is good, but DISC is really the surface. It's the behavior. What we're trying to get to, and we're trying to use this in our training, in our encouragement, in our, our teaching, is really getting to the motivation yep. of what drives a person through, as Paul Johnson would say, interest. Yes. So tell yes. us about that. What's the method? Yes. Okay. So we we discovered um, a, a ministry is called the Consentia Group that had taken uh, the the scientific tests and been able to help us contextualize. Uh, these types of assessments it, through a biblical framework. So it's it's really marrying marrying both of, of those things. That the, the tests themselves are called uh, core strengths, and they work with uh, you know all, all types of Fortune 100, Fortune 500 uh, companies. And, and essentially, the, the, there's an assessment that you do, and it helps to be able to validate you know where do you fall, in which percentages of of, of these areas are, are what motivates you. Essentially, that you're looking at um, what they call um, uh, performance, people, or process. Uh, the last one would be perspective, which is which is kind of in the middle. And we're all different pieces of all of these things. They found that 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 what motivates people really doesn't change after the age of four. Now, strengths and weaknesses, what we're good at and what we're not, those are those are like muscles. So it depends on. Some of us are naturally strong in some areas and, and naturally weak in others. And the more you work at something, the stronger you get. And um, so it, it, it helps with identify the strengths. It helps identify the overdone strengths. Uh, it also helps identify what's the conflict sequence that we tend to have a predictable sequence when we're in conflict, uh, when when the the deep needs of our soul are not being met. You know, how do we respond? And, and so, you know, some of the advantage of it, it, it really is to be able to understand yourself and understand those around you. And we're told to live with your spouse in an understanding way. Well, how, how, how are you going to do that unless you take the time to, to really assess and to learn uh, about those things? And if you know what really drives somebody, what motivates somebody, uh, somebody, it'll help you be in tune really with their heart and with their thinking. And if you can understand why somebody makes decisions, doesn't that help you to be able to re- relationally be able to, to understand and, and, and benefit uh, them, and we found that those uh, the 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 people process uh, uh, and and performance it really aligns with um, what we call the three passions of the soul. So the the guy who 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 created the content that we've incorporated into Life Action, his name is Dr. Bruce Terpstra. And he was um, uh, served in a bunch of different uh, denominations. He it was a was a uh, oversaw I think 400 uh, church plants in the Northeast at at one point. Has really pursued this uh, a long time. And he talks about the the three passions of the soul that would really be acceptance, significance, and security. Those and then those match up with with those different with the, the science side. That that's what this matches up with: acceptance, significance, and security. And in many ways, it's um, you know, am I? Uh, it, in, in many ways, it matches up with with um, you know what, the the things that we're looking for from God. Are you good? Are you wise? Are you powerful? You know, we would say that the you know there's not this God-shaped hole inside of us. There's this God-shaped vacuum. We will 
find those things, acceptance, significance, and security. If we don't find them fully and completely in God, we will find those things in something. We'll find them in our work. We'll find them in, in perhaps in some kind of destructive relationship or some type of idolatry. We are, those are cravings of the soul. And so as, as we can identify, how are we feeling those things? Where are we not trusting the Lord for those things? And how does that play out into our relationships? We're actually able to, to use assessments and use things that can help us draw those out so that when we're talking with people, it can not only help them really be able to understand and get right in their relationship with God, but they get to see how that's spilling out, good and bad, into the relationships with others. And so it's, it's, it's all designed. So much of life action, what we do is just help people have that right relationship with God and then right relationships with others, getting rid of uh, bitterness and having having peace and, and having that gospel be transferable. And this is just p- more practical tools that we have to, to keep that going. Because one thing that is said so often at your ministry events, we're not telling you anything new. That's right. None of this is, is groundbreaking theology where you go, I didn't know that. That's right. But it's not often what's new it's what we should do that's right uh i i noticed this i taught pastors for 10 years at a seminary in texas i taught preaching and pastoral ministry and church administration and in preaching what i always noticed about the young restless you know guys who loved the scripture they falsely believed that truth made a sermon right let me just give you truth and let me give you all this truth at once let me give you the whole barn today and many of them even thought well if i say it that settles it right i told you that i (laughs) shared that with you all i explained that we said and and i even see it with our young guys here on staff because we're we're going through preaching right now we're reading some books on preaching and i'll be addressing this with them but it's funny because they think, well, we said that in the new members class. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter what you said. But, I mean, we covered this. Why is everybody not doing it? Because you falsely believe that if you just tell them even truthful things, yeah. that that somehow fixes it. That is only the beginning. Yeah. It's not about learning necessarily. That's part of it. That's one side of the coin, definitely, 50%. The harder thing as I grow older, and I don't know how you feel because we're probably the same age, it's not what I need to know anymore. It's what I need to live. It's how to apply it. And that is the hardest thing. And the older I get, the more I realize I have a lot of head knowledge about God. I don't need another book on the Trinity. Sorry, I don't need another one. (laughs) These guys go to these conferences, look at these books. And I love books. You go to my office, there's a billion of them. But I'm getting to this point where I'm like Solomon, there's no end to this. There is no end to this. My problem is I wake up some mornings and my heart is so prideful and I don't even want to talk to God. Yep. Now, what book's going to tell me that? That's right. About that. Or, you know, lust, what man doesn't deal with just. Of course. And it doesn't have to be lust of the flesh. It can be lust of money. It yep. can be lust of uh, achievement. One thing I was convicted of last night, you life action people, y'all are just so convicted. <laughs> Steve said, turn in the book to this back page and. The Holy Spirit, one of the things on that back page, it was, you know, you're prideful if you're driven by success. 
and and the spirit said that's you mm -hmm. that's you 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 are so prideful you know for whatever reason i feel this incredible weight being a new pastor in a new location yeah. we've got to we've got to get this right we got to win right. and it's all on me and and really it's not me it's the power of the lord it's his strength and so you know you realize yeah you know that's pride yeah. that's pride that you have to give it up it's his kingdom it's his church and if 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 everybody walks out and this whole thing falls apart god is in control that's right that's right but that's easier said than lived and so the heart that's that's what i'm saying the older i get the harder it is to really live these things. Yes. So I don't necessarily need people telling me new things. I need people reminding me of the old ways and saying, "It keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. You're going in the right direction." That that's exactly right. You know, I, I would. T I spent a good part of my time first couple of years with Life Action because what we do is so unique. You know, having these multi-day you know, uh, uh, events at, at, at churches, 4, 8, 11, 15-day events, and, and all of these conferences. And, and, and I was just trying to figure out what is this, what, what is the sauce, you know, that, because it's, it's I'm, I'm listening to the message, and I'm like, this this is the gospel. Like, what's so, so what, why are there so many lives that are being transformed? I mean, I've got, it, every year we're in front of about thirty-five to 40,000 people for cons like multiple day stuff, not just, you know, a one-off thing here. So it's, it's, it's a lot. And just thousands and thousands and thousands of testimonies of significant radical life change. And, you know, spent a lot of time really trying to understand what is the messaging pathway. It might come out a thousand different ways, but what are we trying to walk people through? And I would tell you today that it's the practical application of the gospel. So we, we call them our seven responses to God, and this is what they are. Honesty and humility. Together, I call those brokenness. Kind of like head down, hands up. My name is Donnie Vanker, and I'm a whatever. You know, I, I, I need help, right? But God's near the brokenhearted. So, so honesty and humility, repentance, turn, turn, about face. You know, there's a different way. Um, there's, there's compassion, receiving and giving compassion, receiving it from God, giving it to, to others, receiving and giving forgiveness, radical obedience, and kingdom first living, or, or or kingdom action, and and it's a it's a it's a pathway. It's not just a topical thing because you know we could come in just focusing on on, on radical obedience, and if we could say, well, hey, God is the King, He's sovereign, He's in control. You're not. You need to submit and obey. Well, that's true, but taken in isolation, what's the good news there? You know that that same message could be said in in, in just about any house of worship, Christian or not. Right, you know, the, the, where is the good news there? But when you look at, at as a at, as a totality of it, you know, the honesty, you can be honest. This is where we do those those assessments. You can be honest with yourself and see yourself as you are, and come to God as you are, not as you ought to be, and He will not reject you. Is that not the good news? Humility, you can be in the in a low state, and God will meet you there. That's good news. Repentance, there is a different way. It's a that's a good that's a good thing. There's there's a way that leads to life, and you can turn to it. You know, compassion that God looks at you with favor. God is for you. We've actually realized that once people during our events, the big turning point in people's lives is when they realize that that God is for them. That despite all of these things, that that God has has their best interest at heart. And, and is for them. And that's good news. Receiving and giving forgiveness, no matter what you have done, God can forgive you from that. And that no matter what's happened in your relationships, God can make those new. It might not be what it was, but he can make them new. 
Good news. God will never call you to do something that he won't empower you to do. He, he doesn't want to set you up for failure. He wants to set you up for fruitfulness. You know, in kingdom action, that there is a way of life that you, got, you can bless this world. You can, it's the practical application of the good news. That's what we do. Yeah, great method. Yeah, yeah, great method. Yeah, yeah. Now you you have me wanting to know what drives me. Yeah, what drives me and why. Yeah, what are my interests? Yeah, well, I'm going to get you set up with you with one of our assessments test. here. I, I need will. A test. You I need bet. All, I need all the help I can get, brother. Yeah. That's just between you and me. Yeah, well, I'm I need with all you. All the help I can get. <laughs> so, okay, very good. So some of this we've answered, but let's say it anyway formally. Sure. The third question that frames our discussion, how will this benefit individuals that walk with Jesus, families, the church? Yeah. We we all need to be reminded of that of those very things. You know, the it's it's amazing when you look at those those gifts, the, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We tend to think of evangelists as for outside of the church. But there Paul says it's for the church. It's for the equipping of the church. Evangelists because we need to be reminded of the good news. Because we're we're inundated with bad news. We get bad news every day, not just on the you know from from the news and on our phones, but in our lives. And we get good news too. But the good news of God that God is for us. So often we in, we interpret experiences in life. We get put in some kind of a, of a vice. Something difficult or challenging happens, and we're faced with having to answer the question: Is God doing this to me, or is God doing this for me? And, and you get asked that enough. And sometimes we we question: Is God for me? And so we we have to be reminded of the, of these things. We have to. Have times of refreshment, times of encouragement, and really one of the things, and this even goes back to the methodology, is you know we know that that uh, times uh, of of genuine transformation they most often ha- happen in the context of relationship, and they happen also when you are outside of your normal everyday activities. You know, even just when I look back at my life, and when I was a youth pastor, I would just beg people to go to camp. I mean, whatever I could do to get somebody to go to the camp or to retreat, because I knew that we could get like six months, at least six months worth of ministry work done in a few days. Because there's this exponential impact that happens when you get consecutive hours, consecutive days uh, t- together. And I experienced that in my life. Some of the deepest transformational times I had with God uh, were during, you know, outside of the normal routine. And so that's partly why, just in terms of how we frame things, is, is, is to be able to create these, these experiences. Because that's really how we learn so much in these experiences. And we create those for the churches. And, we've, uh, you know, going forward, we're, you will see in the next couple of years, a variety of different uh, marriage uh, and family uh, retreats that we'll bring, whether it's on site at the, you know, at churches or um, or in different places. Uh, there's just there's going to be a host of other resources that we're going to have. We just our calling is to resource the church and, and especially to resource the church's leaders, you know, the pastors and, and ministers. So. Um, that's benefit that, and longevity. That's right. That's well. That that that's right. You know, the, church. The, people the families go, pastors the, that's right so it's 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 sometimes we need to be disoriented before we're reoriented the right way all of us you know have to have times like that weekly right and 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 seasonally and and, and annually um and, but then you know, how do you keep that fire burning so how can you how can you sustain and, and be a be a healthy tree you know they don't get a tree that's that's sick and needs to needs to have some uh, you know, some kind of fertilizer or this and that. They don't just become healthy generally overnight. It takes some time. And, and our goal is to be able to help people to really to thrive because healthy trees produce healthy fruit. You know, there's not a, there's not a, a kind of a tree that's a bad fruit tree. 
You know, there's apple trees and there's orange trees. It might, it might give bad apples because the tree is sick. But that doesn't mean the tree is not morally bad. It's just it needs, it needs some things to be healthy. So, you know, we want to create these experiences that, are, that will ignite something in somebody's heart and then also resource them so they can live, you know, a, a thriving life and be able to, to bear fruit and enjoy the fullness of, of the life that God has for them. Yes, ultimately glorify God, benefit the kingdom of God. That's right. What an incredible blessing that is, and yeah. I'm thankful that you guys do it. Anyway, yeah, what a tremendous benefit it is, and uh, I so appreciate you guys coming you, and being here. Yeah. And I'm thankful that I get to sit down. Oh, I know what it was. So, John, yeah, who's so you guys kind of have this interesting setup. John, a- John, Avian, John Avian, our president, yeah. who's John's the president. Yeah. You're the CEO. Yeah, I met another guy last night who said he's the chief financial officer. Yeah, yeah. I met somebody else who said they're captain of the enterprise. And I'm, trying to, <laughs> I'm like, okay, now how many of you guys are there? <laughs> yeah, but everybody's got a role. And uh, John tells me uh, one of the benefits that are that's coming down the line that you guys are starting is coaching that's right coaching pastors that's right so i met john at family camp and and it was i think it was a god-ordained meeting for me he and his wife were out there playing mini golf and she was beating him (laughs) and my son who has a great personality he got up and he started i think he started talking to them the lord uses your children in amazing ways so my son starts messing with them and saying let's see if you can beat your wife and so the wife wins i think or or john i can't remember but one of them wins and it becomes funny and my son is part of it and it creates a relationship with john and i we start up a conversation oh good so john talks to me throughout the week and just reaches out and says, I would love to get to know your leadership. I'd love to get to know you. I'd love to coach and encourage you. Yeah. And John is coached and encouraged by some pretty big people. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's people like you that's really big, but then there's there's even other people, dare I say. Uh, we John John has more relationships than anybody that, that I know. Uh, so John Avant, I mean, he's, he, I think... I want to say four, uh, four churches, uh, mega churches, ultimately within the the SBC, and he gave that up in order to come full time with with Life Action. Uh, you know, he served on the International Mission Board uh, for for a number of years. Has a huge heart for missionaries. Has a huge heart for pastors, and he's done a ton of of coaching and helping them. I mean, it's probably probably the number one burden on John's heart is how to how to create uh, sustainable opportunities um, where we're the friends of pastors and missionaries coming alongside of them. I, but I love that. All yeah. that we've talked about today, yep. to have a coach, to yep. have somebody to say, talk to me. So he wants to come and meet with our leadership. That's great. His wife is going to come in the winter and do a women's conference. And he says, I want to come and I just want to meet with some of your leadership and I want to get to know you so that later, if I speak into your life, I know what I'm speaking into and I know what I'm dealing with. I'm so thankful for that. And he tells me that one of his mentors, and and this is where our conversation really took off, because, of course, when I say this, people will understand why. But, But he was talking about how somebody who's been a very successful business person. Yeah. And that's uh, Dan Cathy yeah. with Chick-fil-A yeah. is a good personal friend of John and, Very much and so. mentors John. Yeah. 
And so John tells me the last time we talk, and I'm saying this publicly so that this is held accountable. <laughs> All he right. says, I'm going to get you to meet Dan Cathy. I'm mm-hmm. going to get you. I, I'm going to bring you down. And so I was talking with, um, I'm sorry, what is the brother's name who's the CFO? Uh, well, you maybe saw Rich Cummins, our chief Rich. Advancement model. Yes, Rich. Yeah. Rich, who makes it rich. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. how I remember his name. He said, yeah, we're getting ready to have some events, yeah, we and are. we're going to Atlanta, and I think John's going to invite you to that. Oh, that's so cool. I hope that's true, yeah. because oh, uh, it, it, so, so hold him accountable to that. All I, right. want him, I want him to coach me. <laughs> yeah. And I want to meet Dan Cathy of Chick-fil-A. All so. right. Well, D- Dan Dan has been uh, a, a friend to Life Action, and he's been a, a, a very long time, a very close friend uh, for, for John. And John is constantly uh, telling us of, of ways that Dan was encouraging him and coaching him. And you know, they did a lot of ministry together uh, when, when John was a, pa- a pastor down in the Atlanta area. And, Dan has been very kind to host a number of Life Action teams. And, yeah, we, you know, a lot of times with, with, with guys like that, um, you know, they're, they're, they have experienced a lot of success for, for a reason. They're very good leaders, and there's a lot that we can learn from them, and we, we do our very best. And so, yeah, there will be some opportunities. Yeah. And I'll so make sure I, that, I, that was what I was going to say. I loved his coaching. Yeah. And then when he said, and I'm going to get you down there, because right. I know you're interested in all that. And I said, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. John, John, is, okay. John flies 30,000 He does. Feet. He does. So let's hope he can stay uh, stay down on this yeah. one issue. But anyway, I, I appreciate it. your your rationale behind that and how it benefits the local church and what a blessing it is oh yeah so brother thank you for spending time on the podcast today i hope people now know a little bit more about life action yeah and if they say what is life action i don't know what that is yeah you guys have a presence and uh you're you're international you go around to churches but you also go around encouraging and that's right what a tremendous blessing that's so, right well thanks. thank you mark uh, thank lo- you appreciate being here and appreciate you welcome us to broadway we love this church uh, for a long time so appreciate Amen. it well, thank you brother thank you and that's another episode of our podcast footnotes we drop our podcast each friday so be sure to tune in check us out and listen Footnotes is a ministry of Broadway Baptist Church located in South Haven, Mississippi. We're located right outside of the Metro Memphis area. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at broadwaychurch.org. Until next time, it's Footnotes. Footnotes.